It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show, and today we return for the first time in a long time to the beginner's guide to the history of professional wrestling in Japan, and we're going to look at an LLPW show from 1994. Now, here's the thing with the beginner's guide to Japanese wrestling. We've kind of drifted off the track a little bit just because we're around about 2006 and a massive um, problem happens in Japan, which is an, an economic downturn, which essentially murders the wrestling industry. And therefore, it's really hard to find big shows to review. So when I find something cool we've not reviewed before... I find someone to review with. And today, I have a new reviewer, a new contributor to the Troopany Show. It's Anna. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for coming to join us on this particular show. What's your background in wrestling? What made you a wrestling fan to start with? I'm actually quite a new wrestling fan, like in the last, what's it, 2023, like the last seven years or so, like late 2016, I got into wrestling. I was... a like most things, I was dating somebody that was into wrestling, and he made me watch a show. And, uh, yeah, I was not into it at first, and then, like, the relationship ended or whatever, and a couple months went by, and I saw that there was, like, this big show happening in Toronto. And I was like, oh, that's cool, because, like, I'm Canadian and, and all that. So I was just like, oh, that's cool. And it was it came up on my Tumblr. So I was like, oh, um, so I'm not into wrestling or anything like that, but it must be a big deal if it's popping up on my Tumblr. Like, it must be kind of, like, trending in some kind of way. Something cool must have happened kind of deal. So I decided to watch it at work because uh, it was a Sunday morning, and that's all she wrote. I watched Mickey James versus Asuka, and I was just like, oh, I like this now. My life is forever changed. <laughs> 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 so that TikTok thing about um, so I guess this will become my home personality. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. Um, so when I said LLPW Joshi cross promotion, um, the um, hmm. versus Shinobi Kandori. What did you think then? Sorry, what was that? So when I said Joshi cross promotion 1994, Bull Nakano versus Shinobi Kandori, LLPW, what did you think then? Well, I thought that would be really cool because, like, I like watching, like, the Joshi stuff. I go back on some things, like, in the 90s, and Bull Nakano is just cool as hell. Like, I saw her. <laughs> I saw her at a show in Toronto one time when uh, SummerSlam weekend I went to a... Uh, like cross promotion show and she mm. had helped Big Swole win the Shimmer title or the Shine title I want to say and uh, yeah she walks out of the venue like with her entourage and me and my friend are just like outside and just like having a cigarette or whatever and then just like it was like the coolest thing ever she looked so badass and this was like three years ago and she still has <laughs> that aura today just like walking out of a venue <laughs> yeah that's that's it it's like even you look at pictures on twitter and she's just a nice little lady that runs a restaurant and plays golf yeah and then you watch videos from 1986 where she's attempting murder on television in front of 5,000 screaming teenage girls 
Absolutely, and she very much attempts <laughs> murder in this show too. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So this is this was an LLPW show, ostensibly, um, and there was contributions from all Japan Women's Pro Wrestling and uh, Frontier Martial Arts. And I, I was the customer at the time. The show opened with an opening ceremony. Uh, which featured members of the LLPW roster, the Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling roster, and the All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling roster, with a frosty little promo from uh, Shinobi Kandori and Bull Nakano. They, they kept themselves to themselves. You know, they were professional about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And just, I watched this, like, I didn't skip anything. I was watching the intros and all that stuff, and I was just enthralled with how amazingly 90s everything was the <laughs> hair the costumes the transitions like <laughs> it is it's, it's just brilliant i mean the the daft thing was a couple of weeks ago me and john were looking at um uh oh it was georgia championship wrestling and amazingly when you look at the fonts on the the transitions like the 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 superimposition transitions you realise they were still using the same computer program up until World Championship Wrestling NWO era. (laughs) 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 It's just like, yeah. But yes, but this this is as 90 as it gets. It's it's the glory. It is the joy of what is Joshi Wrestling in the 1990s. You've got Megumi Kudo with her perfect hair. You've got Combat Toyota with the greatest mullet in professional wrestling history. resplendent and here's something that no one else has mentioned Uh, Mercedes Monet at Wrestle Kingdom has leopard print hair who else had leopard print hair in Joshi history? Combat Toyota and I don't think anyone else has made that connection no and if I recall correctly I think in a photo shoot later on after Wrestle Kingdom uh, she had the cheetah print in her hair. She had another wig with the cheetah print. Yeah, yeah. It's there's a subtle because she did mention at um, a press conference afterwards that uh, Minami Toyota and Akira Hokuto and Bull Nakano were all pioneers of this, and you know she showed ultimate respect to them. And I thought, eh, yeah, not enough respect shown to combat Toyota, in my opinion. But there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but by God, she would beat some respect out of people later on in this show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so yes, like I said, it's an LLPW show. They're the, they're the hosts as it were. Um, they were at the Tokyo Coliseum in front of 8,300 people, which is a big crowd for a wrestling show these days. Never mind a big crowd for a Joshi show. Um, uh, Tokyo Coliseum, um, I'm just seeing if we use it still these days as a venue for anyone, Tokyo Coliseum. The Ariaki Coliseum, um, still in use, um, opened in 1987. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, 1995, Fuji TV's Iron Chef held its 1995 World Cup there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there you go, so yeah. Uh, the Old Japan Tennis Championship is the full capacity is 10,000 when you've well, but they had a ring in the middle of it, I suppose, and they had to do lighting and stuff. Um, so, yeah, but a sellout crowd, 8,500 for what is ostensibly a chain match between Bull Nakano and Shinobi Kandori, uh, which, of course, we will get to at the end. Um, there was lots of cross-promotion going on at the time, obviously. They'd just come out, when was this? Yeah, they would just be coming up on Big Egg Universe the following autumn. 
Uh, Bolt Nakano wasn't the top drawer in All Japan Women anymore. That was well in the hands of Manami Toyota and Ijikon, but she was still very much the woman when it came to kind of like big shock and awe draw matches like this. So, you know, we were also a one year removed from when Shinobi Kandori wrestled Hikura Hokuto at Dream Slam and literally changed the way women, people looked at women's wrestling in the most death-defying <laughs> wrestling match I've ever seen. I, I still get chills watching Akira Okoto versus Shinobi Kandori. I've watched it like five or six times, and you still can't believe two people would do that to one another. Um, and I've never, you know, I, I even when you listen, even you watch it now, the fact that the crowd goes from like absolute hysteria to pin drop quiet when Akira Hokuto picks the microphone up. I've never seen anything like it. And I've been watching wrestling for 40 years and I've never seen <laughs> anything like that before or since. Um, so, you know, cross promotion was where it's at. And we're just kind of getting back to the idea of cross promotion in Japanese wrestling. Now we're in New Japan are working together. Um, Yuji Nagata turned up on a um, All Japan show to challenge for the Triple Crown this week, today as well. You know, it's all going on. This is, this is, um, Sendai girls are kind of making ways with stardom because Rossi Ogawa went to insult the Sendai girls, which was not a way about going things nicely, to be honest with you. <laughs> I was um, going to say, because I saw that I think it was Team 100KG or like the goddess of stardom tag champs or something. Yeah, they are at the moment. They're building up to that big show um, that Stardom are doing, and they've obviously got to cross-promote because even though Stardom's the biggest Joshi promotion now, maybe TJPW have kind of given them a run for their money, they've still kind of got to cross-promote to be able to get the best out of it, if that makes sense. Well, they have done more, TJPW that is, have done more over in the US than Stardom has. They've only done that one show. So, and sure, TJPW is only doing the show in March, but they've also done DDT and stuff in the past. So they kind of have that leg up, like, in the United States already. So they're really kind of making waves, especially with American fans. Yes, and especially with people like Makito and Yamashita and going to AEW and doing occasional appearances for them. That helps too, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It's kind of like, I think there's like becoming a bit of two camps in, in Joshi a little bit politically speaking because the Sendai girls uh, sorry the like one camp is erring towards stardom and the other camp's erring towards TJ, TJPW um, but I think that's the way Joshi goes Joshi's kind of like one entity and things move and flow and always have done and this was kind of one of the shows that kind of started that off the actual show itself um, began with Michiko Miyaki going up against Chaparita Asari which is not on this tape Mikoki Futigami and Mizuki Endo also wrestled Rita Mada and Tomoka Watanabe. Um, Mikio Futigami is better known as Gami, and she's the current owner of Wave Pro Wrestling. Um, but the actual first match we see on this show is LLPW versus FMW. Carol Midori, Michiko Nagashima, and Rumi Kazami defeat Mio Sawata, Nurse Nakamura, and Yuki Nabeno. Not bad Nurse Nakamura yet. Well, that would be to come. <laughs> Carol Midori and Michiko Nagashima along with Rumi Kazami. Rumi Kazami was the president of LLPW, the first female president of a wrestling company and the first wrestling company to be, um, you know, 
broadly ran and organised by all female wrestlers, which was really cool. Unfortunately, as I read this, Kazami passed away last year um, due to her oh. health. So I was like, oh, that's sad. Um, but, but she was a blisteringly good wrestler and it kind of highlighted the style of LLPW this match against the All Japan Women Girls because LLPW was very much a serious wrestler's promotion. It was a shoot fighter's promotion. <coughs> Whereas the FMW promotion was kind of more of a, a mix of pure wrestling and brawling. But you had the toughest kind of mid-carders one roster going up against the toughest mid-carders of the other roster, if that makes sense. What did you think of this, Anna? Yeah, so, like, first of all, all the costuming, incredible. I love Biker Babe. Um, I didn't know who that was. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) She had a mask and, like, a whole Judas Priest outfit. Love her. That was was Kazami. She was the boss. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then uh, the girl with the bob, she really stuck out to me, too. And, of course, like, what is more Joshi than having a girl that's just a nurse? You know, (laughs) so I'm definitely looking at like a lot of costuming and stuff. Um, I thought the woman in the purple gear looked like a warrior queen. And I was rooting for her the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would have been um, Carol Midori. Yeah, definitely. She's, yeah. Nice. Oh, I mean, it's kind of the classic, classic Joshi cross promotion match. You get six people who can really go, have boundless energy, and just say, it lasts 10 minutes, kill each other. <laughs> and that's basically- yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's what I was thinking, too. I was just like, this is very much like a six-man tag match on a Joshi show, and I do not mean that in a bad way. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, um, yeah, it, it, I mean, the, the, the reputation that all of these six have was growing. Sawata and Nabonino were kind of rookies on the FMW roster. Nakamura had been there a little while and she was kind of finding her feet and wouldn't really find her feet until she turned heel um, about a year or so later and became bad nurse Nakamura, as we said. Um, Nagashima, Kazami and Midori Nagashima, Kazami and Midori were Kind of were really established. Midori had had a feud with uh, Shinobi Kandori in LLPW that had an incredible street fight that myself, Chelsea, and Christy looked at a few years ago on the Beginner's Guide. So you can go back in the playlist and listen to that. Um, so yeah, this was this was just fun, and it was kind of like the pressure cooker of what Joshi was at the time. And we talk about this in Joshi all the time, and you can feel it for these mid card women who are coming up because. You're coming up in the industry when the greatest workers in professional wrestling history are in the top of the company and you have to make an impression. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you've got to work harder than anyone's ever worked before just to make a dent in your perception as a worker. And, you know, it's it's unreal when you think about it now, what they had to go through to, to kind of like just make a, an impression upon they were doing and they they really go for it here and it's a lot of fun to watch absolutely and you know who really did make an impression on me was the girl that's it she's one of the trainees i'm assuming because she's wearing sweatpants um she really stood out to me in this match i thought she was a lot of fun to watch and i was definitely rooting for her a lot too i also thought 
coming to the ring in sweatpants was a little bit of a vibe. I was just like, I respect that. I would do that if I was feeling crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, she had a she had a feud with uh, Akira Hokuto as well. I got, I remember seeing the match because it was a Akira Hokuto documentary I found on YouTube, and she wrestled Midori on an All Japan Women's Show. And Hokuto, uh, Hokuto kind of like just drag her around for 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like, you are in my world, you will have the greatest wrestling match you've ever had, and you will just do as I tell you to. And that, that was that, because that's the way Hokuto worked. Because, you know, she's Akira Hokuto, you do as you're told. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so, and she, so she had some right bangers really down the years. Um, but yeah, she, she really has presence about her and she knows what she's doing. And yeah. No, it's really, it's, it's just a really cool opener, um, and well worth. Yeah, very fast paced, like really hard hitting. They have do stuff on the outside, like double lariats. There's everyone's busting out big moves. Like, gotta pop that crowd early. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. And this this is because this is pride. This is my roster versus your roster. My roster is better than your roster. Absolutely. Yeah. Let us move on to the next match. I'll scoot the video a little bit further forward so we're going. So, the next match um, is for the UWA World's Women's Tag Team Championship, featuring Jen Yukari uh, and Miki Handa, who were challenging for the championship belts. Um, Yukari and Miki Handa are fine professional wrestlers. Both of them are. However, they had the unfortunate task of challenging Los Cacajares Orientales, Hetsukamita and Mima Shimoda, otherwise known as those Oriental bitches. That's what they call themselves, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what that meant, and I just didn't feel like looking it up. I was like, you know what, I probably, it's probably something that I shouldn't know. <laughs> um, the LCO, uh, in my opinion... You know, every time Bubba Ray Dudley goes on Twitter about the Dudleys being the greatest tag team championship of all time, we were heels and we knew what we were doing. We were the best heel tag team ever. The LCO would have stolen their lunch money and made them cry. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I thought these girls were so badass. Like, first of all, fit check. They look amazing. Um, the girl with the head the bangs in the ponytail, absolutely killing it. She looks beautiful. Well, everyone looks beautiful. But, of course, i got to talk about the outfits. They look like just absolute warriors, which I think is one of my favorite Joshi gear-like types. I like princessy stuff and, like, stuff that makes you look like Xena warrior princess. So, loving that. <laughs> You, you didn't. You haven't seen their older gear, their, their later gear, have you? Because later in their careers, they would come to rings, come to the rings. Uh, uh, um, uh, Shimoda would wear a traditional Japanese uh, um, kimono, like a big flowing, like formal kimono over her wrestling gear, and Mita would come dressed um, literally as a pirate, like you know Kairi does, but like twenty years before. Um, and, she, and they would come to the ring carrying match or matching to their outfit pastel chairs. Heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and they're just—they're just unstoppable. Like you watch them, and it's not so much that they're breaking the rules; it's just that they're spitting in the face of the rules. <laughs> it's just like 
the referee's counting to five and they're going, yeah, and I'll disqualify them. Go on, go on. No, no? All right, then. We'll continue to murder these <laughs> poor people who were stupid enough to sign for a match with us. Um, and, Absolutely. I mean, I, this is the thing as well. They enjoy it so much. But then you realise that Shimoda and Mita are arguably two of the best technical wrestlers that ever lived. Etsuka Mita invented the Death Valley Driver. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, John Cena's finisher, she invented that. Brock Lesnar's finisher, she invented that. You know, so, it, it, well, the variations that they use, uh, but they developed those, but they, if no one thought about dumping somebody on their head from a fireman's carry before a super meter did, she was the first. And Louis Piccoli, who um, uh, popularised the move in the West, always name-checked meter when anyone asked him about it, because that's where he got it from. Um, and yeah, they're just badass. And it didn't really matter who they were wrestling because you just go to see them kill people. That's what they're there for. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Exactly. Yeah, you're you're there to see some uh, absolute badass bitches beat the fuck out of each other. Is pardon my language, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's their job. You know. This is this is the thing. It's it's like. Myself and um, Dara O'Connor, who hosts the Wrestling Rewind on the podcast channel, is not a fan of Joshi, big wrestling fan, but he's he's grown up on the Western traditional wrestling. And um, occasionally I'll ask him on the show and I'll say, do you want to know what I want you to do? And he'll go, no, just, just send me the playlist, whatever we're watching, if it's an event or a playlist of things. And we did a tribute to Exuka um, Mita and Mima Shimoda, the Los Akaku Arizona in Towers. And it literally changed the way he thought about professional wrestling. <laughs> well, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was, you know, he he likes Joshi and he likes how hard like 90s Joshi is and like the stiffness. And he said, I, he said, I watched this and he said, I can't believe the other people let them do that to them. And I can't believe that they did that to them. <laughs> this, is, this is what they're about. You know, it's just like, absolute murder and they just tore into people and with reckless abandon and you know the the some of my favorite matches with the lca come later in their careers but even at this point they're just hitting their strides as the mega heels they would become you know um they had a big match with minami toyota and toshi yamada which was kind of like crowning them as the next gods of tag wrestling in joshi and <laughs> Um, there's a match with, um, there was a matching guy they had with Sakura Hirata and uh, Chikasa Nagayo when Nagayo was mentoring Hirata. And Hirata, who's now, now is the best comedy wrestler in Joshi, and arguably one of the best comedy wrestlers in the world, was a rookie. And the whole story was that um, uh, Nagayo was bringing up Hirata as like the, the next big thing and she was looking after her and one of the tests was having to wrestle the LCO <laughs> and Hirata oh. and Hirata's <laughs> bleeding at the end and just gasping for breath after 20 minutes of just being pounded around the arena and LCO just stood over her smiling <laughs> yeah and yeah well like they are definitely fans of going into the crowd and just dropping people on their heads because they do such things in this match to these poor girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
There was I mean there was a period where like um if the match wasn't going well, if they hadn't put pile pile driven someone through a table in the first three minutes, it wasn't a good match as far as they were concerned. You know. Yeah. Like, oh it's just the there was the match with um oh uh Grand Hamada's daughter, uh, Aoki Hamada, and um, her tag partner, whose name escapes me, from, from in the in Arsion. and the, the, those two were like nineteen years old, and they murdered them. They were covered in blood. It was just like it was horrific, and they just went full bore for no rest holds, nothing, everything, impact maneuvers, and brawling for twenty minutes. That was it. <laughs> and it, and it, was just, it was just incredible what they were doing back at the time as far as tag team wrestling was concerned. And I've gone on long enough about the LCO as being the best, arguably the best tag team I've ever seen <laughs> for a very long time. So we should probably move on at this point. But this is a classic LCO beating. This, this is just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and these, the, the team that they're fighting there, like, uh, they are doing the old college try. And you know what? Good on them for it. <laughs> <laughs> they know they're not gonna go. They know they're not gonna win, but they're giving it the college try. That's it. I'm, I'm just I'm just watching me too wrestling um, Yukari at the moment, and Yukari just kicks her straight in the face, and Mita shrugs it off, and then just German suplexes her straight away. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you tried. It was a good guy. Yeah, you tried. Yeah. Um, shall we move on? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so on the next matchup, um, actually, I was thinking that match actually went quite a long while. It was about 15 minutes on it. I'm just trying to, mm -hmm. uh, for this, for this, this is not good radio, but I'm scooting along to the next match um, so that we can watch it, which next match features Yashi Kurunai um, of, I believe, of LLPW. I think she was trained by Kazami. Kazama. Um, uh, yeah, that sounds about right because you would have come up in the JWP dojo. Going up against FMW's queen, uh, Megumi Kudo, the yes. deathmatch queen My herself. My fave. <laughs> <laughs> My fave. Oh, there you go. Um, yes. <laughs> this match was singled out by Kura and I, who was the tag team of Carol Midori, um, jumping Megumi Kudo for the bell and I instantly thought that was a brave choice yeah very brave choice <laughs> and lo and behold less than 30 seconds later she was being hung by her neck off the edge of the ring open by Kudo with her chin lock who then proceeded to beat seven shades of shit out of I mean, they're going right, literally right at the gates here, just absolutely slamming each other against these guardrails. They say, no, no ring. We're, we're getting this over with. <laughs> Good slams on the outside. Like, they are just having some fun. And the match barely has even started yet. Yeah. And at some point in this match, a wrestling match breaks out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kept thinking... Um, Girlie in the background there was holding a light tube and I was getting real fired up the whole time just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think though this was this was the pre-light tube days. This was um Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this was kind of like more like weapons and stuff, but Kudo 
would have a barbed wire match with Kandori before the end of the year, I think. Um, which was uber cool. Uh, we have covered it on the Troopany show. Um, this was kind of like introducing Kudo to the LLPW audience. Um, but Kandori went to FMW and they had a no rope barbed wire match in Yokohama, I believe. And what was really cool about it was um, Kudo turned up in her usual pink and white gear. Um, which obviously, you're going to wear pink and white in a barbed wire match because you're going to bleed. The ideal color to wear for that is white and pink. Um, and then Kandori showed up in a Yakuza suit. Oh, nice. And used the tie to wrap around her arm so she could cut off barbed wire to wrap the barbed wire around her arm to close like Kudo with. <laughs> but she thought about this. <laughs> it was like, it was, oh it's, oh, it's brutal. It's just brutal. But most things that Kudo did were brutal. You know, she was, she was absolutely fearless in, um, uh, you know, FMW, you have to be fairly fearless to work in FMW. But the Kudo story is one of the most remarkable stories in pro wrestling. So, which we've talked many times before on this podcast, but she's... I think what I've always been drawn to her just because, like, I love the hyper-feminine with, like, the grisly, bloody, yeah. like, that kind of thing. So I think that's why I was always drawn to her. I think that's the thing, is, like... You look at Combat Toyota, and I'm not saying that Combat Toyota was not feminine, but you know, oh no, or but you know, there was there is kind of like a he kind of expect it from her, if that makes sense, without trying to be rude. Like you can look at someone like Bull Meccano or Aja Kong, or even to an extent Shimoda and Mita, and you expect them to be violent. But you look at this pure white meat baby face, you know, the mm-hmm. the purest of white meat baby faces. And you don't know what she's capable of. You know, exactly. She, she's as good a technical wrestler as Akira Hokuto was. And she could get emotions out of a crowd that Minami Toyota could. But because she was an FMW, she never got the props that either of those two did. And I think she was just as good. You know, I think she was just... She was ahead of her time. You know. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and... You know, as well as the whole story of like, you know, being plucked out of uh, the kindergarten she was teaching to come back to pro wrestling by uh-huh. Sushi and Ita. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. This is the go. You look like you can take a beat and come with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this is it. And it, when I first told this story to Chelsea, who's one of our co podcasters, and I said, yeah, her and Combat Toyota were let go by All Japan Wrestling because they weren't good enough. And she just went, they weren't good enough. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they just they they weren't they weren't developing fast enough for what they wanted. But she said, how can you say that? Look at them. And I was like, yeah, I know, but that's that's what the standard was at the time, you know. And let's not take any way from thing away from Crew and I either, who also gets her own hanging moment on Kudo later in the match. And oh yeah, and she is as tough as nails as a street fighter goes as well. Um, but. Well, she's got, like, the badass, like, Yankee, like, pants and stuff like that. Like, she just looks incredible with her, I think it's, like, a pole of some kind that she was using to choke her on the top rope. Yeah, kind of like a kendo stick. Yeah. 
yeah. But yeah, no, like they really uh, go at each other. There's weapons, there's guardrails, there's dropping each other's heads on the outside of the ring. Like they really <laughs> do beat on each other, which is what you'd expect, of course, from somebody like Megumi Kudo. So. Yeah, it's it just it just is it's well worth watching. It's one of those matches you've just got to see because you've got two oh, yeah. expert brawlers because they fire off on all cylinders. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now, and it's like um, at one point, um, Kuranai like throws in uh, Kudo for a Irish whip, but pulls her back and then uses her arm to lift her for a suplex. And it's like I've never seen anything like that before or since. Why don't people do that more often now? Probably because it's ridiculously dangerous. <laughs> Yasha, Yasha also does a lot of um, joint manipulation, which I'm a fan of. So I yeah. love that kind of like technical wrestling. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of Zack Sabre Jr. in there. You know, Zach, mm-hmm. Zach, would, Zach, <laughs> Zach would appreciate this kind of thing. Um, yeah. Um, I remember he's going to get Kosei Fujita to watch those as part of his of part of his young boy training. Imagine Kosei Fujita having to having to sit in the TMDK locker room, having to watch uh, wrestling tapes of Johnny Saint and Billy Robinson. Anywho, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, but yeah, no, this is this is a fun match, and it but it is just violence, and of course. Loads and loads of hip attacks because Megumi Kudo. Yeah, I wrote that down too. <laughs> <laughs> they really love a hip attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why Tony Storm picked it up from her, really, I guess, more than anything else. Mm. Um, but yeah, and uh, Kudos was some of the best. She, you've got no, the, you've got to have like have a certain amount of panache to be able to get away with it and take it seriously. Otherwise, you know, you just don't. Get it. <laughs> but yes, she takes a pinfall victory over Kurunai with a look of disdain on her face, having to have lowered herself to this particular level, which I always like. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, this was, this was um, a waste of my time. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's just... There is, but again, it is something of that era. You know, there's a level of... I'd hate to say arrogance, but definitely confidence about some of the women on this particular show that is just like, yeah, I'm really that good. Well, yeah, exactly. As you mentioned, it's like, it's pride, like company pride. You you really have to put it on and be like, yeah, I am that girl, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right then, we best move on to the next match. And speaking of company pride, this was an interesting cross-promotional offense. Harley Sato and Norio Tateno went up against Double Inoue, Kyokyo Inoue, and Takokyo Inoue. Double Inoue were former um, WWWA Tag Team Champions. I think they were the 100th Tag Team Champions. Um, they were had been around for quite some time and as an established tag team. Harley Sato was the chief booker of LLPW. She had a lot of input on the creative side and was a stellar wrestler. And Nori Tetiano was one of the trainers because she had come from AJW and her previous uh, life in AJW was, of course, as part of one of the most famous tag teams in AJW history, the Jumping Bomb Angels, Um, the former WWF tag team champions, in fact, Uh, women's tag team champions, the Jumping Bomb Angels. Um, Tetiano left AJW after the 26 rule meant she had to retire. 
And then she went and joined JWP, I believe, eventually, which obviously split off into JWP and LPW in 1992. So Tatiana was an AJW regular. She would have had a hand in training Kyoko Inoue and Takoko Inoue, or certainly wrestled them an awful lot on the road. And then she was with Harley Sato, one of her protégés in the LLPW uh, locker room. Uh, so this is an intriguing affair and is probably the best pure wrestling match on this card. What did you think of this one, Anna? Yeah, so um, I don't. I wrote uh, only a few notes for this one because I was quite enthralled with it. But uh, So there's a lot of high-flying moves that I really enjoyed, like a lot of big crossbodies. Like, love, like, the backwards, like, I don't know what you call it. It's like a kicky thingy. <laughs> I don't know the names of wrestling moves. It's like a backwards leggy thingy. <laughs> and, like, uh, big double splashes from Titano and Saito. Um, diving headbutts from Harley. Like, a lot of big moves that I was, and, like, a lot of pure wrestling that I was uh, a big fan of. Like, just the technical wrestling along with, like, the big moves, that's a big way to keep my uh, little lizard brain enthralled. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the thing. I mean, like, in a way, is a technical joy to watch. I think she mm -hmm. came out of the 96. Well, in a way, came out, Kyoko, in a way, came out of the 86. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Tokyo Tokyo anyway came out of the '88 uh, dojo. Uh, Kyoko anyway came out of the '86 dojo. Kyoko anyway was trained by um, Jaggi Yokota, and Tokyo anyway would have been trained by Jaggi Yokota and Akira Hokuto, which isn't too bad, really. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Mario Tateno was uh, trained. Um, I guess she would have been trained by Jaggi Yokota as well back in the day because she was. She, Jaggy Yukota was very young when she started training at the dojo. So Tatana may have been, may have had a damn, she may have been at a train. I'm just going to check because what's Cage match say? No, Tatana was, doesn't say who trained her, but yeah, she would have trained in the AJW dojo anyway, for sure. Uh, and one thing I do, one thing I do love is a greasy finish because Harley traps uh, Takako in just a move for a sneaky win. I love something greasy like that. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It's just. It's just nice way of going about the finish. When no one really lost too much, everyone was kind of happy uh, to go home on that one. So yeah, it was a nice finish. Nice technical wrestling match. No one really lost out on anything. Um, do it again down the road on an AJW show sometime later, and that's how you make money. <laughs> which, yes. <laughs> which, at the end of the day, is what this is all about. <laughs> exactly. Get your bag. Exactly. So then we move on to the semi-main event. Combat Toyota against Eagle Saiwai. Two big monsters of FMW and LLPW. And this was as stiff as houses. This is just brutality in wrestling. Absolutely. Um, you know, they could let go a little bit. I think the violence had been toned down on the previous rest of the cards. So these last two matches could kind of let go a bit. I mean, you got a taster of it with Kudo and Kurunai, um, but Kudo and Kurunai weren't equals going against each other. Kurunai was obviously like the least favoured in that match, whereas Toyota and Saiwai were the company's big monster up against the company's big monster. So, you know, they had the opportunity to do something really special. 
and they set about doing something really special. As brawl, exactly. As brawls go, this is pretty damn good. Um, what did you think of this one? Like, I just thought everyone looked as cool as ever. Like, Combat Toyota, the fit, the haircut, it's all amazing. And I love, like, a big hoss fight. It's one of my favorite types of wrestling matches. I just love two big wrestlers just smacking the hell out of each other. And I think that's awesome. It was just, like, a nice, like, it started with a nice test of strength. And then the disrespect, like, started right after. So and they just beat on each other in this match. Lots of uh, big splashes, um, lots of big top rope moves. Top rope moves that you would not want to be the uh, hundred and eighty pound woman, two hundred pound woman coming down on you. You don't really want that. So <laughs> a lot of it looked like it hurt, which is a sign of a good wrestling match, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. It looked real. And they really were definitely uh, doing the company proud, doing their companies proud, uh, beating the hell out of each other. Yeah, that, that's basically what this is all about, you know. And it is, yeah, they give each other a lot as well because, like in a lot of Joe, these cross promotional matches, there's not a lot of selling because they don't want to, you know, because they're trying really, really hard, and that's in some cases what makes great matches. But you do realize that these two are hitting each other really hard, so they're selling for each other which does make it a kind of a different... It gives it a different pace and it gives it a different feel, whereas, like, some of the matches you watch, they're just not giving each other anything. And it's like... Which is kind of part of the story. But here, because they're going so hard and watching Toyota come with a crossbody off the top rope to the floor, which I'd never seen her do before, it's just insane. I just, like, wouldn't want to be the person on the other end of that, no, you know? No, no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's, she's, she's a big old hump. Yeah, she is a dense lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Toyota takes the win, which is intriguing to me because it's like, if it had been Bull Nakano and Combat Toyota on an, on an FMW show... <laughs> I'm not sure that Toyota would have got that pinfall. Um, or, yeah, beating Saiwai meant that she could have another go at her. But, I mean, Saiwai is also someone who doesn't get the same props that Toyota does or Aja Kong or Bull Nakano does because she was in the quote-unquote wrong company, if that makes sense. It sounds like the wrong company. She yeah. kept the wrong friends. No, it's just that she went to become the wrestler in that organisation instead. Um and I think, you know, that's grossly unfair. She finally did get to AJW after LLPW kind of closed its doors as a regular promotion. She did get a chance to shine on the, on the AJW stage, but even then, you know, it was they already had their the big stars, so it was difficult for people from outside the promotion to really get by. So I think this is, I think this is the thing. She's, she did incredible things for a woman of her size and was able to do so much. Um, and was a lot more a lot more aerial in this match than you know a lot of the big people were. But again, it is down to the fact that like you know, Bondukano versus Shinobu Kandori is on next, and we've got to steal the show because <laughs> we have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't let them two like run the table on us, so we're going to try everything. Let's throw the kitchen sink at this, and they did. 
And they definitely did. They threw the kitchen sink. They threw the bathroom. They threw their bodies. They threw the house. They threw the garage. <laughs> they threw everything at them. <laughs> definitely. So let's move on to our main event of this particular tape, which was, indeed, Paul Nakano, the former WWWA Women's Champion, going up against the former Olympian Shinobi Kandori. Um, Kandori had a reputation for being as tough as they come, and Paul Nakano a reputation for beating people up on a regular basis. Um, so, what do you do with two wrestlers like that? Well, of course, you stick them in a um, chain match, because that's the obvious and sensible things to do. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Kandori had a reputation for being, like I said, ultra-tough and brutal upon opponents. The, the, we've talked about the match with Hokuto, that wasn't unusual for her, she had that match with Kudo. She always managed to produce the goods at the right moment. And Nakano was another wrestler who was, she was brought by Don Masamoto. You know, that was that she was the dump was the heel's heel, the ultimate bad guy. Um, and that's where Bull Nakano did her apprenticeship. And Gokoki Damai was the heel faction. There was no others. You know, again, like you can think of the most evil factions in pro wrestling in history. None of them compared to Gokaki Domai in what they could do to people. You know, bringing uh, a cooked chicken to a press conference to demonstrate what she would do to Chigusa Nagayo. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> um, just starting the match with a pair of scissors and just stabbing her opponent in front of the referee. You know, the, the bull, bull, wow. bull grew up as as her, as her boss, and was her tag team partner, and was party to this violence for a long time. You know, so she was in the Dark Lord's terrain by this point, as far as wrestling violence was concerned, and Kandori was too. So you had two of the best brawlers, not just in Joshi history, two of the best brawlers in wrestling history, put a chain between them and see what they could create and they create a thing of beauty that is just unreal and I often like kind of get lost for words to describing how Joshi works but you, you can't believe that you know 8,500 people turned up to watch these two people beat the living crap out of one another because that's what they did and they I know I would <laughs> 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 I know you would, but you would now. But it is like <laughs> just, it just it's just like how like the match starts before they've even got their dressing gowns off. They attack each other, and the respective rookie teams have to separate them and get them back to the corners so they can get the chain on. There's a realism about this. There's high stakes action about this. This is top level Joshi at its best. And the chain just is the icing on the cake because it's like, what are these two lunatics going to do next? <laughs> exactly. And what they do next is a whole lot of violence. Like, what do we have? What do I have written down here? Oh, yeah. A lot of headbutts. Full on, full contact headbutts. Love that. Um, lariats with the chain and then uh, missed lariat. There was a missed lariat from Nakano. 
where she ends up getting choked with the chain because of her uh, because of her error, which I think is such an amazing counter. Um, yeah, just absolute savagery, like octopus stretch with the chain around the neck, like it, pulling each other around the ring post when they're on the outside. Like it's all you would ever want from a chain match, and uh, they definitely really delivered. Yeah, in my opinion. Oh yeah, I mean it's like when when you see chain matches. Um, there's a lot of clearing going on. Like, when you set somebody up for a move, you can see people clearing the chain out of the way so they're not going to get, like, suplexed onto a chain. These two didn't care. One of the first maneuvers Paul McCarlo okay. does is, like, backdrop driver onto the floor. Oh, the chain's in the way. Oh, well. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. that must have hurt like hell. And they just don't stop. They just don't stop. You know... It, like the all-time classic chain match for for Western American Western wrestling fans is, of course, Greg Valentine versus Roddy Piper. And you know, but having watched a lot of shoot interviews about it, Valentine's um, theory was: if I can beat on somebody long enough, then we can have a really great wrestling match. And Roddy could take a beating like no other person alive, and we had a really great wrestling match, which is fine. This is what happens when both people can be beat on for 20 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> and just not. I'm well, I mean, Kandori's already busted up, like, at the beginning, before the match has even started. She's got a bandage over her eye. Like, she's starting off on a good foot, that's for sure. I'm also wondering if FDR and the Briscoes did watch this match before they had their match uh, last summer. Oh, sorry, um, uh, last year. Um, just because there's some elements that you notice, like the way that they using the chain as a weapon that I certainly saw Dax and uh, Jay use in that match. Well, uh, that wouldn't be surprising. They're de- both teams definitely strike me as being classic, especially Joshi wrestling nerds, especially Dak. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think so as well. Um, but I, I mean, this also could be case great minds think alike because, you know, FTR and the Briscoes are about as good as it gets in tag team wrestling. But, um, oh, absolutely. But yes. Rest in peace, Jay. Um, but this is definitely kind of uh, this match is certainly kind of on a level with those matches just because like i said they just don't care because this is again exceptionally high level professional wrestling there's a level of professional pie that's built into this particular match and whilst they're not going out to deliberately hurt one another they know people are going to get hurt and you know there's there's a an art form to that and there's some kicks in this which are very near the knuckle as to whether they're shoot or not. Um, yeah. You know, um, it's, it's just really, really stiff. And it's, it's one of those things. It's like, in my personal opinion, it is kind of like they're grown-ups. They've made a decision. They're experienced professionals. They know what they're doing. You know, and a lot of um, people who would argue it's shortened careers – well, maybe so, but Bull was going to retire in two years anyway. Um, Kandori has not retired, but she doesn't wrestle particularly regularly after LPW kind of slows down. 
I don't think it shortened anyone's career because they kind of were sensible enough not to wrestle particularly hard for the rest of their careers. <laughs> they made money after this. Yeah. You know, and it's it intrigues me as to um, um, like how they went about this match and like you know how do you have a how do you have a production meeting about this? <laughs> yeah it's just insane absolutely insane um for uh for a reference because we always do this uh the cage match users gave it 8.96 out of 10 which is one of the highest rated classic geometry matches we've come across whilst been doing this show um and i think the the lads and lasses and cage match are absolutely right this is this is great this is just Oh yeah, this is fantastic. It, as well, it lays into the the characters of the two wrestlers. Kandori, um, when you go to that big match, back to that big match with Hokuto that really made her. She was obviously the heel in AJW's playground. Here, she's the baby face, and AJW's biggest monster has come to play. And Nakano is absolutely in her pomp as the queen of Joshi. You know, she is loving every second of this. And you would <laughs> bear in mind and realize, like, less than six months later, she was on a plane and wrestling for Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doing, t- doing TV shows in five minutes, five minute squash matches on TV for Vince McMahon. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, and yeah, and you were just bleeding in, in a chain match months before. Yeah, it just it beggars belief of how the wrestling world works at times. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, um, she'd end up in WCW. No, well. this whole sorry. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say this whole show is like fantastic from start to finish. Like, I thought it was great. I'm glad you liked it because it is. I, I, it's a little mini classic. I don't think it's like some of the AJW um, co-promotion matches shows of the year, like obviously Dream Slam One and Dream Slam Two, are phenomenally good. They're like the best. The best, like you've got like three five star matches on them, you know, on one show. And the undercard matches are four stars. And this isn't that good, but this is still exceptional for what it is. You know, it's still this this overall show. You've got a nice array of everything. I suppose you haven't got the big stars because it's mainly the the big stars are coming from FMW with Combat and Mugumi Kudo. So it's a different feel to the AJW shows, and obviously different production values as well. But this must have been LPW. This must have been LPW's record show at the time, definitely eight thousand five hundred. Um, and I remember watching this match in isolation when I was doing. I did a big history of Joshi for the WrestleTalk uh, website years ago, and I remember watching this in isolation. And it was like, how did we get to this point? But you have to see this entire history of Joshi. You kind of got to see it chronologically and see where things go because Nakano has is kind of a, a loose end, so she's picking picking as many big matches as she possibly can, and this is one of the big matches that she can have, so she gets the absolute most out of it that she can. Excellent. Yeah. Um. So, have you any clo- closing thoughts on the show, Anna? No, like, I thought it was great, like, start to finish. Like, they started off hot in, like, the first, like, the non-dark match that 
we first saw at the beginning of the show. Like, that started off hot with the six-man tag. And then it, it just kept delivering with this great wrestling. Like, obviously, they picked the, uh, some of their best, even though you said, like, they might have not gotten all of their stars or whatever. But it seems like they picked, like, some of the best of the crop of all three of the companies. And uh, they put on a hell of a great show. And uh, you know me, I love it when uh, death matches are nice and violent and bloody. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get you on a show with John, uh, whose uh, handle on Twitter is John Deathman, because he writes about death matches constantly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, and I would agree, this is a show that's well worth seeking out. It's maybe not as high profile as some of the shows we've covered on the Trooping Show before. But we will put it in the link in the Twitter feed and you can go and have a watch it. It's only an hour and a half. It will not take up a lot of your day, but by gum, you will have a good time if you're not squeamish. We'll just put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> this is not squeamish as I look at Kandori being throttled with a chain. Like like the end of a horror movie where the bad guy is um, roped to a post and pulled apart. Yes, like that. It's funny. It's it's funny you mentioned horror movies because I was saying that um, with all the cameras flashing, it looked like a horror movie. <laughs> it does. It's really... It, I hesitate to use the word badly lit, but it's really darkly lit. It's not lit like AJW shows used a big lighting rig um, and AJW was all about production. LLPW was not. And this is shot on video with a couple of spotlights, so it's not as crisp and clean as some of the AJW shows from that particular era. But AJW was a company that had been around since 1968 that knew what they were doing. They had every, every bit of technology at their possession that they could possibly manage, and LLPW just weren't like that. So therefore, it was never going to be as crisp and clear as it could be. But the actual quality is not bad for the era, I don't think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Anywho, thank you for joining us today, Anna. Where can we find you on the internet, should you wish to talk to the listeners of The Troopany Show? Oh, I have Twitter. My Twitter is beer underscore underscore uncle. So beer uncle with two underscores. <laughs> it's just, that's just it. <laughs> thank you. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nothing else to plug. No, I, I just my Twitter. I make jokes on there. <laughs> yeah, very good jokes. Anna is very funny. Um, that's how we got to know each other through like me finding her jokes and about wrestling on Twitter, and like, she's really funny. I like her, and that's it. We've been been chatting back and forth ever since. Um, yes, you can find me at Sherry Flownstar on Twitter at Sherry Flownstar TX on Instagram. We're on Discord, because we're recording this on this. Anna's also introduced me to recording on Discord, which is a pleasant experience, and much different from recording on Skype, which is usually a horror story. But anywho, <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me on, uh, where else can you find me? Oh, that'll do. You can find me on Mastodon. I'm on Sheriff Star on Mastodon as well. Uh, no one follows me on Mastodon, except for one of the people I know off Twitter, who I followed, and she followed me back, because we we're mutuals on Twitter, so now we're mutuals on Mastodon. Literally my only follower. If you've got Mastodon, have Sheriff Lonestar on Mastodon. Go find me. Give me someone else to talk to. Um, yes, you can find um, the show, Troopany Show, on Twitter. You can find the show, Troopany Show, on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook, The Troopany Show, and you can find us on Patreon, The Troopany Show, where you can keep us free forever for everyone. We will be back next week. Take care, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye! 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 Thank you.